Other comments or questions through 11? Well, first Kings 12, 7, and they, the same story. It's kind of interesting that the difference in the wording, but there it, it seems like when I'm talking about the type of leader that, that God would want him being a servant, you know, that was the advice that the, the wife um, and the older men gave him. They said, you'd be a servant to those people. And he just, you know, he did not understand the view of, of, he didn't know how to handle the power that he had. And, uh, you know, right when they were told to care for the people, he just didn't think of being a king, that's what that was all about. To us, it seems like weakness. But really, you know, strong leaders don't have to be, you know, authoritarian. The guy who's always, you know, trying to prove himself is not really confident. All right? 12 to 19? So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the king was directed to say, Return to me on the third day. Then the king answered to him harshly, and King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the elders. He spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father disciplined your fist, but I will discipline your scorpion. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from God, the Lord might establish his word, which he spoke through a high the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. When all Israel saw the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tent, every man to your tent, O Israel. Now look after your own house, David. So all Israel departed to their tent. But as for the son of Israel, who lived in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. The king Rehoboam sent to Hedorah, who was over the forced labor. The sons of Israel stoned him to death. And King Rehoboam made haste to mount his chariot and flee to Jerusalem. So Israel had been in rebellion against the house of David to his death. Well, when they come back on the third day, Rehoboam answers according to the advice of the young man. He uh, takes a hard line. There's no soft answer turning away wrath in Rehoboam's case. And uh, that was really according to the word of the Lord. The Lord had chosen already because of Solomon's sins to take ten of the tribes away from David's line. And so Rehoboam ends up uh, contributing to the overall purpose of God in this. And the Israel hears this and they say, we don't have anything more to do with David. To your own tents. Do your own thing. We're not going... We're, we're seceding from the union. <laughs> That's basically what they say. You might contrast this with First Chronicles 12.18, where um, these group of, of, of men with uh, Amasai pledged their allegiance to David. Now in Second Chronicles 10.16, uh, they say, we're going to do things ourselves. And uh, Rehoboam does not take no for an answer. Who does he send up to the northern tribes? Yeah, Adoram, the guy who had been in charge of the draft. Now, I don't know what in the world Rehoboam was thinking. 
Was he sending this guy up there to try to negotiate a compromise? To try to extend the olive leaf, you know, the olive branch, whatever, try to, try to appease them? If he was, that was stupid. This was probably the most hated guy in the land. Or was he maybe sending him up there to make sure they still give the, the, the institute the draft and follow through on it and he gets the forced labor from the north? I don't know. I mean, it makes you wonder, the way Rehoboam is, I wouldn't put it past him just to, you know, continue like business as usual and just assume he's going to get the uh, draftees to work for him. I don't know. But what ends up happening with this guy, Adoram? Yeah, he stoned him to death. And Rehoboam, who went to Shechem to become king, barely escapes with his life. <laughs> he has to flee away from there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so much for, uh, you know, him, uh, him being a lot tougher than his father. <laughs> you know, he wasn't quite as tough and strong as what he acted like, which is usually the way those things go. The guy who has to talk tough probably isn't. Comments and questions? It's interesting here to think about how the contrast between how David treated his young son Solomon and how Solomon, uh, it's not recorded for us, didn't treat his young son very well. I mean, you see, Solomon, or you see David, you know, giving Solomon help and advice, and you see him kind of, you know, motivating him, spurring him on, and, you know, even instituting him as king before he's dead, just kind of do everything he can for him, and you just don't read anybody that at, at all about Solomon. Interesting thought. What you're saying about the main point of this section, uh, I thought was good. Just I don't know. It seems like every time we've ever st I've ever studied the story, uh, we always hammer home the point that Rehoboam should have listened to the older men who were wiser, and, and you know these men these men may have been a lot older than we take them out to be, but it seems that the main point of the story in Kings and Chronicles is that. Uh, God is fulfilling his promise to take away uh, the tribes because of Solomon's sin. That that's the main point that he's trying to get across here, and not you know, that Rehoboam was stupid for taking uh, the advice of the younger. I think Rehoboam just took the advice he wanted because he wanted to show off his authority. And I think there is something to be said uh, for the servant leader concept. But uh, Other comments? Well, I mean, I get pros and cons when I ask uh, if you want breaks, uh, how often you want them. Uh, some of you need a break at this point, think that would be good, or are you, everybody doing okay? Kyle needs a break? Anybody need a break? I'm good. Okay. Uh, chapter 11, uh, verses 1 to 4.
But the word of Jehovah came to Shimei, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the king of Judah, and to all Israel, and Judah, and Benjamin, saying, Thus saith, says Jehovah, You shall not grow up nor fight against your brethren. Return every man to his house, for this thing is of me. So they hearkened unto the words of Jehovah, and returned from going against Jeroboam. Rehoboam seems to have a single-track answer to every situation. I'll just, you know, beat him into the ground. So, what does he decide he's going to do? Yeah, I'm going to get an army up, too. <coughs> Absolutely, there's going to be civil war. They're not allowed to secede from the Union. They're really my tribes. So he gets the army up, he's going to go in there with 180,000 chosen men, and he's going to fight and bring them back under the uh, crown. Uh, what, uh, what keeps him from doing that? The Lord through which prophet? Shemaiah, who goes and tells Rehoboam, you aren't to go up and fight against your relatives. This is from me. I'm the one that caused these, these tribes to secede. God was behind this. Don't fight. And to Rehoboam's credit, they listen and they go back to Jerusalem and they don't fight. Comments and questions? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess in this sense there's something good in him. I would say that's a positive thing as far as it goes. I mean, you know, he should have listened more to the principles of the Lord earlier, but at least he listens at this point. Other comments? There's quite a number of prophets through First and Second Chronicles, so you might keep that in mind. Um, 5 to 12, look. In verse 5, Rehoboam lived in Jerusalem and built cities for defense in Judah. Talks about the cities he built. In verse 11, he also strengthened the fortresses and put officers in them and stores of food, oil, and wine. He put shields and spears in every city and strengthened them greatly, so he held Judah and Benjamin. So this is talking about the fortifications if you look at where these cities are, they are mostly south and east of his territory. So who would that say he is trying to fortify himself to defend the territory from? Not Benjamin. What did you say? Moab and Ammon. Not south I said south and east. I should say south and west. I think that's it. I think it's Egypt. Uh, yeah, south and west, sorry. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's trying to fortify the borders with Egypt to keep the Egyptians from invading. Um, and and uh, that's, that's wise on his part. That's going to be where the real threat is. Uh, is from the Egyptians. All right, comments and questions uh, through verse 12. All right, 13 to 17. 
priests and the Levites that were in all of Israel resorted to him out, out of all their border. For the Levites left their suburbs and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For, Jer- for Jeroboam and his sons cast them off, for they should not execute the priest's office unto the Lord. And he appointed him priests for the high places and for the he goats and for the calves which he had made. And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord, the God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord, the God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam the son of Solomon strong three years, for they walked three years in the way of David and Solomon. Alright. Um, we are not told, obviously, very much about the northern kingdom in Chronicles, but we are assuming knowledge of some of the stuff that's going on in the northern kingdom, and what we know is that Jeroboam is doing what? He has set up his own golden casket down in Bethel, has invented his own religious system, and in connection with that, he made his own priests. He did not uh, have the Levitical priests. And so what do you see happening in this section? Absolutely. They end up having to leave their hometowns and their property and possessions and move down to Judah where they can work and serve uh, in the temple. It's really sad to see them leaving their, their homeland. Um, but Jeroboam was, uh, had set up his own system of priesthood and uh, making sure that these priests were, were faithful to him. Now I think verse 16 is very interesting because it wasn't just the priests and the Levites. Uh, which would be understandable, that came down to uh, Rehoboam, but those from all the tribes of Israel who set their hearts on seeking the Lord God of Israel followed them to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord God of their fathers. They strengthened the kingdom of Judah and supported Rehoboam, etc. Um, So they make the decision, those who seek the Lord from their heart, they make the decision to move down to Jerusalem, and in so doing, they strengthen Rehoboam and Judah. Um, this is several themes here that are important. There's a sense in which then Judah begins to be the union of people from all the other tribes. Judah is kind of the continuing hope of Israel as a whole, because there's a lot of people from other tribes that are down in Judah as well. Um, Why had Jeroboam set up those cities at Dan and Bethel? To worship, but why did he find that necessary? He was afraid he'd lose followers if he lets them go down to the temple, so he puts his own centers of worship so nobody would leave and go down to Judah. By doing that, what ended up happening? Yes. The very... Um, uh, procedure that Jeroboam used to try to keep his citizens from leaving is what motivated them to do just that. (laughs) It backfired in his face. Because there's some people in Israel that are loyal to the Lord, they want to be back in Jerusalem and worship God the way he says, and so they leave uh, Jeroboam and go down and actually provide strength for Rehoboam. 
would you have done that? Would you have left your home and abandoned that and come down to worship in Jerusalem with Rehoboam and stay there where you can really worship God? That would have been a tough choice and made tougher by the fact, is Rehoboam a real nice guy? You know, here you've got Rehoboam the arrogant, the jerk, versus Jeroboam the servant of the people who's wrong religiously. Sometimes it's what we face. Sometimes the people who defend the truth are ordinary, mean, rascally people. And the people that are really likable are off. They're, they're not following the Bible strictly. And the temptation is to see whether or not the person is a nice guy or not and follow the person rather than following the Lord regardless of the king in the land. So I think it speaks very well of these people who had set their hearts on seeking the Lord God of Israel. Yeah, the true worship is in Jerusalem, no matter how rascally Rehoboam might be. Sometimes we're treated better by the world than we are by those who worship us. Yeah, exactly. And I think another principle we can get out of this is to what extent will we go to make sure that we're going to obey the Lord's commands and worship Him? Will we just go wherever the job takes Good point. Very good point. You can also see a lot, there's a lot of lessons I think we've learned from this, but you can see a lot uh, in the failure of, of Jeroboam to trust in the Lord uh, to provide what he he wanted in his kingdom. I mean, he, it was his fear that he was going to lose the people, and so he tries to take matters into his own hands, and, and, and in his failure to trust in God to take care of the situation, he, he makes matters much worse. Good point. Other comments? All right, look at uh, 18 to 23. In 18, Rehoboam took as a wife this gal, and she bore him some sons. And then in 20, after her, he took Mekah, the daughter of Absalom, and she bore him some sons. Rehoboam loved Mekah, the daughter of Absalom, more than all his other wives and concubines. For he had, for he had taken 18 wives and 60 concubines and fathered 28 sons and 60 daughters. Rehoboam appointed Abijah, the son of Mekah, as head and leader among his brothers, for he intended to make him king. He acted wisely and distributed some of the sons, some of his sons, through all the territory of Judah and Benjamin to all the fortified cities, and he gave them food in abundance, and he sought many wives for them. So this is kind of uh, uh, Rehoboam's family. He ended up marrying relatives, and uh, he loved Mekah more than the others, and so he appoints her son as the head and leader, but he does end up doing that job fairly well. Um, so Rehoboam is concerned with the transfer of power properly. 
So he, all, he goes ahead and appoints Abijah to be king with him, and he distributes his sons out through other areas and takes care of them, and that way they're not going to be together to where they can overthrow the son he has chosen to be the next king. Comments and questions? Alright, I think we probably should take a break and uh, do that for 10 minutes or 15, and then we'll come back and uh, work on some more. Alright, um, at the end of chapter 11, what we have is Rehoboam, in verse 22, taking Abijah and making him a co-regent, making him a co-king, which guarantees an orderly transition of power. And he, he uses his head, and he distributes his sons throughout other places, his other sons, and gives them, you know, cities and wives and food, and sort of, you know, he gives them presents and kind of scatters them out so that they will not be a threat to Abijah once he dies. He's basically trying to make this transition of power very smooth, which was a thing that, we, as we've already talked about, happens sometimes, that a king will appoint his, the son of his preference king before he ever dies, and that way he's already reigning. When he dies, there's not the struggle for the power that you sometimes see when you've got several sons competing for who gets to be the top dog. All right, that was what that was all about. Anything you want to say about chapter 11 now that you're awake? Mhm. Mhm. It's true. You're talking about Egypt invading. They did invade during Rehoboam's time, right? Chapter twelve. Shish- right. Yeah. So our next point. That's a good point. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> if you'd have been writing the Bible, you'd have mentioned the invasion next, wouldn't you? Probably also would have mentioned that lions were. <laughs> that was oxen, but who's counting? Well, you didn't get by with it very long, guys. How many people think the door ought to still be open? You're outvoted there. <laughs> We had a votation and Sandra lost. I do.
came to pass when the kingdom of Rehoboam was established and he was strong that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. And it came to pass in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had trespassed against the Lord with twelve hundred chariots and three, three score three thousand horsemen. And the people were without number that came up came with him out of Egypt, the Libim, the Sukkim, and the Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities which pertained to Judah and came unto Jerusalem. Now Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said unto them, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me, therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. And the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, Jehovah is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, and, the, and that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the country. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he took all away, and he took away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. And King Rehoboam made in their stead shields of brass and committed them into the hands of the captains of the guard. They kept the door of the king's house. And it was so that as often as the king entered into the house of the Lord, the guard came and bare them, and brought them back into the guard chamber. And when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him, so as not to destroy him altogether. And moreover in Judah there were good things found. Okay. Um, look at 11.17. How long did Rehoboam walk in the way of David and Solomon? Three years. So the first three years of Rehoboam, he's basically faithful. In verse 1 of chapter 12, what happened then? They forsook the Lord. And in verse 2, what did the Lord do to respond? Sent Shishak of Egypt in to invade them in the fifth year. So three years of faithfulness, then they turn away from the Lord, and by the fifth year, God's already punishing them by sending the Egyptian uh, Pharaoh in to humble them. Um, now look at verse 1. When was it that Rehoboam chose to forsake the law of the Lord? Is there not a pattern there? You know, why would it be when he's strong? that he would forsake the Lord. Yes. The pride kicks in when things start going well. That's a pattern we'll see in Second Chronicles. So often, as, these, as the person gets uh, more prosperous and more powerful, they feel self-confident, they don't feel vulnerable anymore, and they don't humble themselves, they feel proud, and they think they can handle things themselves, and they forsake uh, the Lord. Um, so that's what happens uh, a lot of times. Notice also, in verse 1, what is it that he forsook? The law of the Lord. In verse 5, what is it that he forsook? Those are the same thing. When you forsake God's law, you forsake Him. Some people want to have the Lord, they just don't want to follow His will, His laws. 
Well, if you don't follow his laws, you don't follow him. If you forsake his law, you forsake him. Those end up amounting to the same thing. Um, notice also in verse 1, he, he, his kingdom was established. Who had the NIV? Is that you, Meredith? What does the NIV say in 1? Okay, uh, he, he, he uh, you know, he was, it was established, he was strong, but the idea is that, that this is his strength. You might contrast that with, say, 17.5, where the Lord established Jehoshaphat's kingdom. You know, we, do, we don't get the impression that the Lord is the one that Rehoboam was looking to, to establish his kingdom. And uh, that is perhaps a significant uh, uh, variation. So, Shishak comes in uh, with a lot of uh, chariots and horsemen and allies, and he captures various cities and comes up to Jerusalem. And who rebukes uh, Rehoboam? Shemaiah. Have we seen him already? What, what other thing did he tell Rehoboam? Don't invade Israel. Now he tells him what? The, here's why that the Lord's forsaking you to Shishak. It's because you forsook the Lord. You know, connect the dots, guy. Here's what's going on in your life and in your kingdom's life. And so what did uh, Rehoboam and his leaders do? They humbled themselves. Do you see that several times through there? Um, you know, they humbled themselves and say the Lord's rise. The Lord saw they humbled themselves. The Lord told Shemaiah saying they've humbled themselves. And uh, does, look back at 7.14. What did 7.14 say? When my people humble themselves and pray and seek me and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive and heal them. They humbled themselves, and so what did God do? He heard them, and he gave them limited deliverance. He enabled them to not be destroyed by Shishak, although they continue to be Shishak's servants because he wants them to learn the difference between being the Lord's servant and being the servant of somebody like Shishak. It's a whole lot better to serve the Lord than to serve these heathen kings. And so he wants them to learn a lesson so he doesn't totally take away the consequences of their sins, but he does lighten it. But, go ahead. Shishak, uh, uh, in verse 9, I thought somebody started to say something. Shishak uh, took what? The shields, uh, the golden shield Solomon made. And what else does he take? <clears throat> the treasures of both. Yeah, the temple and the palace. I mean, it apparently takes a lot to try to buy off uh, Shishak. It doesn't even work. And uh, what do they do to replace these golden shields? Yeah, uh, and they even, you know, guard those and, you know, take them into the back room every night so 
they don't get robbed. Uh, this was literally the end of the golden age of uh, Israel uh, in, in various uh, senses. Um, all right, comments and questions on these 12 verses. Yes, I think so. Although from the Chronicles' perspective, Judah was the true Israel. I just think it's interesting to see that when he when he's, uh, his kingdom is established or when he's doing well, that's the time that he forsakes the Lord. I think it's uh, such a tendency for us living in a place like America today uh, where so often it's easy for us to think that We've got it, everything taken care of ourselves, uh, that we can depend upon ourselves and take. And uh, it's easy for us to forget the Lord because we, we, we seem to have it all together here. So often the thing that humbles us are the uh, only these kind of disasters. We we often don't seek the Lord unless we get in big trouble. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Sometimes the Lord shows us uh, our lack of strength. Other thoughts? Well, 13 to 16. Thus King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel just put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonites. And he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the book of Shemaiah, the prophet? The Ido, the seer, concerning genealogies. And there and there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. So Rehoboam rested with his father and was buried in the city of David. Then Abijah, his son, reigned in his place. Okay. Kind of uh, finishes off the reign of Rehoboam. 41 years old when he started, reigned for 17 years. Verse 14 summarizes his kingship. He did evil because? And we will do evil if we don't set our heart to seek the Lord. That's a very uh, uh, common theme in Chronicles is this idea of seeking the Lord. And the idea of the heart. You don't set your heart to seek the Lord, you won't do well. That's, uh, there's no doubt about that. As if you try to summarize Rehoboam's kingship, there were two terrible um, disasters that occurred in his reign. First, he lost the ten tribes, and then he practically lost his whole kingdom to Shishak. Um, comments and questions? Pause ten seconds for station identification. <laughs> 